Welcome in everybody to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Coming off a bye week, which is always kind of weird. Coming off a bye week. It's just always kind of strange. But it was good to have a weekend to watch the league, watch a lot of college football. And we'll have an opportunity to talk about what happened in the NFL. We'll do that in our next segment as we go around the NFL. And really only the way that I can do it. But we start off tonight's show talking with our good pal, speaking of NFL and college, the very few people that can cover both the way that our good friend Andre Ware can and does. Me, Mark, Andre. Let's go. Doesn't it feel weird to say it that way? There's an NFL game in Las Vegas that we will be calling? Yeah, it feels weird for Las Vegas. It feels weird that it's not San Diego and uh, so on <laughs> and so forth. So <laughs> a lot feels weird. Yeah, that's just life in the NFL. All right, so let me ask you this. Do you watch Red Zone on a Sunday? I know you're – actually, your kid is probably playing in, like, three baseball games yesterday, and you, you <laughs> yeah, on TV he, like we were. I spent uh, yesterday playing right field uh, for Z's <laughs> baseball team with a bad hamstring, so uh, imagine <laughs> how that looked. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I did on my day off is – I watched very little of the Green Bay Jets game. I watched a bunch of uh, Cowboys and Eagles because I'm just amazed at what the Eagles are doing. Uh, even without Lance Johnson at, uh, at right tackle, they were able to protect Jalen Hurts, and uh, he had another solid game for them. And that's uh, a little bit of Kansas City-Buffalo game here and there, but most of it was spent in right field. Dre, although you spent uh, the day in right field, I'm sure you, you've watched – pretty much every NFL team this year. Bills, Eagles, out of the equation. Who's the third best team in the NFL? If the Bills are one and, and the Eagles are two or vice versa, however you want to put them. Who's the third best team in the NFL? Ooh, that's because, tough. Yeah, and I asked this because and this is kind of the question, Dre, that I presented to Mark. I was asking about the Chiefs. And I know the Chiefs are a good football team. I, I, I don't dismiss them as being a really good football team. But are there other teams that we're not looking at that might be because the Chiefs lost to the Colts in Indianapolis. They played a really close game against the one and four Raiders on Monday night. And I know division games can be different. Uh, and then they lost yesterday, a game in which Patrick Mahomes made two key mistakes, two interceptions that got them beat at home against a really good team, but at home. So I'm kind of like, A, are the Chiefs that number three team? And if the Chiefs aren't that number three team, then what team is it? Is it the five and one Giants? Could be the Giants. No, I, I'm not. I'm not buying the Giants yet. There's somebody else that's five and one that I'm not buying as well. Um, I think right now the third best team would have to be the Chiefs, and then because there's tiers this year. There's Philly. There's a uh, Philly and Buffalo. They're on a tier all by themselves, and and it's way above everybody else. There's the Chiefs, and then above below that there are teams like. Cowboys, you know, and, and you kind of go from there. Maybe the, maybe you throw the Giants in the tier with the with the Cowboys and so on. The Vikings and so forth. But, are five and one, Dre. That's who you were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not buying. Yeah, I'm not buying buying the Vikings either. Uh, at this point, they they uh, they always seem to kind of give it up as as the season progresses. So uh, I think I think Philadelphia and Buffalo are on a, in a on a level all to themselves with the Chiefs. Uh, closely behind, and then everybody else you could kind of throw in there. It's a right, it's right. a shame. I was thinking this. I was thinking this yesterday when I was watching the Chiefs and the Bills last night. It's a shame that we can't see that as a Super Bowl, based on divisions and 
So that's a whole nother subject and, and conversation for another day in terms of realignment or how do we actually get the two best teams in the NFL in the Super Bowl? And I don't okay. know that we get that every year. This is like an NBA conversation, right? How do we get the yeah. two Western yeah. Conference best teams in the finals or something like that as years uh, gone by would have indicated, but I know things are different now in that league. But, Trey, you mentioned the Eagles. They're undefeated. And as I watch them, it's not necessarily spectacular. They're just really solid. And that RPO stuff, the spread stuff, they run with Hurts, tough to defend. They're just so well coached, well put together. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, you got to have a tough quarterback to do it the way the way they use utilize uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, they've got a solid running game, so you can't take that away from them. You can't make them one-dimensional because they're so good on the offensive line. Now, that that uh, that swings a little bit when Lane Johnson's not on the field and obviously got hurt yesterday. Uh, but they throw it just well enough to keep you away from the line of scrimmage so that they can run it. And the defense is playing outstanding right now, turning people over. So it, it's just – a blend of a good football team on in all three phases, just kind of quietly going about their business. And I don't know if quietly is the right word to use because everybody has noticed them now, but I think they've got the right leader who kind of tones that thing down a little bit and allows them to, to play from week to week and not look beyond the next week's opponent. Let's raise our heads at the end of the season and see where we are. But right now, keep your head down. Let's keep grinding. And, uh, and see how this thing turns out. And they, they've taken the perfect approach to it. Dre, back in 2018, we saw Josh Allen as a rookie here against us. And it was a game that obviously Jonathan Joseph uh, ended up picking off Nathan Peterman because Allen ended up getting hurt. But I remember watching Allen that day mm -hmm. in 2018, and he, you made the point a number of times. He's throwing every ball 100 miles an hour. I mean, 100 miles an hour. And it's like, man, until he reigns that in, Man, that guy's just going to be a big-armed uh, jag, just mm -hmm. a guy, until he reins it in. It, he's reined it in, uh, and he's been incredible. He has the hurdle yesterday. He has the throw in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. Where Josh Allen is from 2018 through 2022, can you remember a quarterback in our time and covering this? Actually, for both of you. Can you remember a quarterback in our time of covering the NFL that has made those strides that Josh Allen has made, an uber-talent that reined it all in and has now become the quarterback that he's become. Can you recall a player that kind of fits in that category over Jeff the years? George. Just kidding. I, I don't even know George. Uh, I, I, would know go, George I would go. I would go. Elway. Elway made that kind yeah. of uh, that kind yeah. of leap in his second year. That's a great uh, and let's one. hope yeah. that Trevor Lawrence. Let's hope that Trevor Lawrence doesn't figure out that mm -hmm. uh, you know the ball needs to be thrown with touch on certain plays because he's throwing everything 100 miles an hour right now. We leave him there for a few more years and then maybe he gets it. But, uh, yeah, no, it, not in recent memory. I'd have to go all the way back to Elway in, in that sense or in that regard. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a talented, talented young man. Maybe, maybe Herbert with, uh, with Los Angeles because – and I had to think about that for a second. Yeah. But – it, but not say San Diego, but he made it. He made a big leap as well. But he came in kind of, kind of slinging it around, and where there wasn't as big of a leap from with the the leap Josh Allen made to where Herbert was, and, and so those are two relatively comparable situations because they're right, uh, just a, a year or so apart from one another. But uh, he both 
are outstanding. I think where Josh Allen has separated himself is that the team believes in him and they play hard for him. And he will make plays during a game that uh, that just gets everybody's blood going. And like leaping over defenders uh, yesterday against against Kansas City and, and willing himself on third downs, throwing his body around. Those are those are plays where it gets everybody motivated uh, to go out and play harder. I'd say all the time that on first and second down, you slide. On third down, you're diving. And guys know whether or not you're protecting yourself or if you're laying it out, laying it on the line for the team. And he lays it on the line for the team in every uh, important situation during a game. Dre, Tom Brady goes to Robert Kraft's wedding. I know he missed time during training camp, and we still don't officially know why about that, do we? And here he is during the week, during a work week where they have a game at Pittsburgh. He misses some time to go to Robert Kraft's wedding. This is not his son, daughter, brother, sister. This is Robert Kraft, an owner of another team, and they lose at Pittsburgh. Your thoughts on Brady and the effect it has on the team. Plus, I don't know if you saw the video of him chewing out his offensive line yesterday. I guess those kinds of things happen, but it was very yeah, much in public how, and the world saw it. I wonder how he would have reacted if somebody on the offensive line would have said, well, we wouldn't be in this situation had you got, not gone to that wedding. You know, that would have hit home yeah. real quick. <laughs> that would hit home real quick. But, uh, you know, I just don't know that you can mix business and pleasure when the season has started. And I'm pretty sure Robert Kraft would have understood uh, why Tom Brady couldn't be there. Every game in the NFL, we know this, they're tough. They're hard to win. And when you think you have one dead to rights or a team isn't playing as well as you think, uh, it's any given Sunday, anybody can beat anybody. Uh, whether it's through injuries and turnovers and you don't have your best stuff, or they just rise up and play you because you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. That, uh, you know, on paper – Everything spells out that Tampa should beat Pittsburgh this year. But when you when you have distractions and you're not totally locked in and you get out of your weekly routine of how you do things, then you invite other aspects into uh, into the locker room or onto the field with you, and you're not totally prepared, and, and things happen like they did yesterday with, with Pittsburgh and, and Tampa. So um, I don't know that that's the case, whether going to – the uh, the wedding was was a big distraction. I know it had to have been a distraction for the team, and uh, and it and it cut into the routine of Tom Brady because he's not doing that every week. Dre, it's got to be exciting in uh, New Jersey at least because the Jets are four and two, but the Giants yeah. are five and one. So not that we haven't, mm. but. When do we start believing that the Giants are for real? I mean, it's 5-1. and one. They won some close games. They beat the Packers over in London. They beat the Ravens yesterday. They had to come from behind to do that. They had to come from behind against the Packers to do that. They beat the Titans in Tennessee. They did lose to the Cowboys and Cooper Rush on a Monday night. But 5-1 and one Giants, when do we start believing in them, Dre? Your thoughts? That's a great question, Johnny, because, you know, historically, uh, you know, dating back, it, it's been a minute since the Giants were were relevant, since we actually did believe uh, in what they did from week to week. Uh, I think Daniel Jones is playing just well enough uh, and giving them just enough to uh, to win win football games or to keep them in football games. The defense is doing enough to, to close things out, and they got Saquon Barkley back, which is uh, which is what they needed. Uh, I, 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 
it's tough to name a receiver on the Giants. Uh, so they're doing it just kind of wide receiver by committee. But Saquon is the answer. And when he's healthy, he is something else. They can throw it to him out of the backfield. He understands the passing game, whether it's who to block on blitzes, who to block in certain protections, or to get himself out of the backfield. And when he's in space, uh, God help whoever's trying to bring him down because he can make you look just foolish. So uh, to answer your question in a nutshell, I'm not sure when we start believing it. Maybe a couple of tougher games because each team that you named in terms of a win uh, have struggled, even Tennessee to some degree during the season. Green Bay's struggling right now. I mean, they'd lose to the Jets and a couple of others that you name, but maybe it's going to take beating a team like Philadelphia. Maybe it's going to take beating a team like Dallas, a team that, you know, you feel like is a pre, you got a good feeling about uh, in 2022. And I don't know that that's happened yet for them. Well, Dre Sunday won't be spent playing in right field. It'll be in Las Vegas as the Texans take on the Raiders, but he'll get back to his college Friday NFL Sunday schedule, and this week, he's got Temple. And if you want to feel old, you know who the quarterback is for Temple? E.J. Warner, the son of Kurt Warner. Yeah, the son of Kurt Warner. That's just crazy to think about. E.J. Warner at Temple as a true freshman, doing a great job there uh, with the Temple program. He can sling it. So listen to Dre, watch E.J. Warner, and see maybe a future NFL quarterback who is the son of a former NFL Hall of Fame quarterback, E.J. Warner, Kurt Warner. Kind of nice. All right, we get back. I like go around the NFL and tell you what happened in every single game. And I have some help from my, well, my broadcasting friends will give you the real story. We'll tell them all next around the NFL right here on Texas All Access next. Yes, sir. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans, and so glad to be with you. And it's time to go around the NFL. Now, you know how I like to do things. When I do around the NFL on a Friday, that means I'm picking games straight up and against the spread. When I'm doing it on Monday night, that means that we are looking back at all these games that happened in the NFL, listening a little bit to the great calls that happened, adding some flavor to it, and breaking them all down. So, sounds good, right? I like that. So, let's start going around the NFL and start in Indianapolis. we got to start AFC South, right? Game in Indianapolis, Jacksonville taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this one, actually, I didn't really know who to cheer for in this one. I was very, I was perplexed. I was perplexed. Didn't know. In the end, one of them was going to win, one was going to lose. So it was kind of like, eh, the good, the bad. The Jaguars ended up losing. And it was similar in some sense to the game against the Texans. Some kind of head-scratching decisions. Here was one of them on a fourth and one late in the game. The Jaguars had the lead, could have kicked the field goal, but didn't because Trevor Lawrence got stuffed on fourth and one by the Colts. Play clock at one. Lawrence. Running the option with ETN, and he stopped. EJ Speed makes the play. The Jags weren't about to die. That's something I'll give them credit for this year. They will not go away. At the four-yard line in the fourth quarter, down by five, 
after a Jelani Woods touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter gave the Indianapolis Colts a 26-21 lead. Lawrence found Christian Kirk, and that gave the Jaguars a 27-26 lead, even though the two-point conversion failed. Everybody crowd the line to try to stop the run. Lawrence throws, end zone, touchdown! Christian Kirk! And what a drive by Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars! But the Colts were not phased on this day. Why? Well, they have Matty Ice. And at the 32-yard line, trying to set up maybe a game-winning field goal, Matty Ice said, no, 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 no. Throw the ball to the rookie. That guy's going to do something great. Well, with 17 seconds left, Matt Ryan found the other Pierce in the AFC South, the other Pierce rookie, Alec Pierce. Game over. Touchdown, Alec Pierce. Ryan's going to throw it, taking a deep shot for Pierce down the field. He's got it! Touchdown! What a call! What a play! And what a day for Matt Ryan and the Colts! Are going to win. That's what Spiro Didis, I think, was about to say. And they won because of Matt Ryan. 42 of 58. Yikes. With no Jonathan Taylor, they had to throw the pigskin. 389 yards in the air, three touchdowns. Deion Jackson led them in rushing with one rushing touchdown. Michael Pym was the truth. 13 receptions for 134 yards. But Alec Pierce is the guy that's getting more of the attention. He is a downfield threat. He is showing exactly what he can do. He only had three catches, but one of them went for 32 yards. Paris Campbell showed up with a touchdown. The Colts put it together. They're 3-2-1. and one. They're, are they a half game? I don't understand. I guess they're a half game behind the Titans at three and two. I don't know how to figure that out. Maybe they're ahead because that tie gives them kind of a half a win. I don't know. Either way, Colts get to come from behind win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence actually very good. 20 of 22, but only for 164 yards, took four sacks. And the Jaguars go down to defeat 34-21. All right. It's not AFC South we are concerned about this town. It is. The Dallas Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys went up to Philadelphia on a Sunday night. This game was the one people pointed to all weekend. This was the big game, man. Philadelphia, NFC East, Cowboys, NFC East, this big rivalry. Both teams are playing well. Only one loss between the two teams, and that was the Cowboys' uh, loss earlier in the season, the very first game of the year, I believe it was. But the Eagles did a number on them, and they did a number on them in part because of A.J. Brown. Hurts pulls it, throws it to Brown with a step in the secondary. He will score! The Cowboys did get this game back to 2017, but that would be all they could do because the Philadelphia Eagle defense rock solid, including a guy they traded for this offseason, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Second and eight. Rush downfield. CD Lamb open. It's underthrown and it's scooped and intercepted. CJ Gardner Johnson hurt his hand earlier in this half. He's okay. He's more than okay. He's got the big pick. Yeah, when you come up with the big pick, you're going to feel really, really good. That was one of three interceptions that Cooper Rush threw to the Philadelphia Eagles as they get rock solid performance. Nothing overwhelming. 155 yards passing for Jalen Hurts. 71 yards and a touchdown by Miles Sanders. A.J. Brown had that touchdown and 67 yards receiving, but the Eagles just controlled this game throughout. Eagles move to 6-0. Dallas falls to 4-2. and 
two. All right, the game of the day. People were excited about Cowboys-Eagles, but everybody that I knew was dying to see Chiefs and Bills. Well, the first half, man, that thing was wild. Yet, it was 10-7, but Patrick Mahomes in two plays, and I think about 10 seconds, had gotten the Chiefs to what looked like really long, long field goal range. 62 yards off grass outside. Harrison Butker, yes. Harrison Butker, yes, to tie it at the half at 10. This is from 62 into a pretty good win, right into it. Butker drills it. Is it long enough? It is from 62 yards. Is it important to have him back? Wow. I tell you right there, he's a game changer. That tied it at 10 at the half, and a great half it was, setting up for a tremendous final 30 minutes of football. The Bills trailed 20-17 to 17 after another Harrison Butker field goal gave the Chiefs a lead with about 10 minutes left in the game. But Josh Allen had plenty of time getting the ball back with about three minutes left in the fourth quarter, down by three. And then he had the highlight of the night, the hurdle. Over former Texan Justin Reed, man, this was ridiculous. Quarterback sweep to the right side. He got free. Justin thought he had him. And then, whoop, Josh Allen went right over him. This was just ridiculous. And as Tony Romo said, Josh Allen is an alien. Oh, this is not good. He called it DiCaprio. The Titanic might be happening for Kansas City here. Here comes Allen with the keep and the leap. Oh, what a run by Josh Allen. I mean, he's an alien. Well, that alien has also got an absolute cannon of an arm. And he showed it off on a throw from the right hash all the way to about seven yards deep on the far left sideline and found his guy, Dawson Knox, for the Bills to take the lead with just over a minute remaining. This is huge for the end of the season. I'm telling you. Here comes Allen. Looking, looking long, throws to the end zone, and the ball is caught! Of all people, it's Dawson Knox! Oh, what a time for Dawson Knox! The light shines on those who come through adversity. Now, for some people that don't know, they hear that and wonder about adversity. Dawson Knox lost his younger brother earlier. Uh, he played college football, and I'm trying to remember. It may have been Ole Miss. I can't remember exactly, but... His, he lost his younger brother earlier this year. And then he had been banged up a little bit. And so that's what Jim Nance is referring to there. And when he said that, knowing all the backstory on that, man, I, I'm watching the game. I heard that at the time. And I just like, whoa, man. I, I boohooed for Dawson Knox. I think that guy's a whale of a tight end. He's done an incredible job. But the game wasn't over. That gave the Bills a 24-20 lead after Tyler Bass extra point. So the Chiefs got the ball. Minute four left. They're a little over a minute left. They got time, right? It's Patrick Mahomes. Now they got to go down and score a touchdown. They have Patrick Mahomes, right? Well, the Bills have Von Miller and they have Teron Johnson. And that ended the game for the Chiefs. And that's where Hardman needs to develop. That would make things a lot easier for Mahomes. And he's going to have an opportunity at the end here. First and 10. Mahomes intercepted. And that's Taron Johnson with the theft. Unbelievable. And that final of 24-20 made Tony Romo a savant. He had actually said it felt like a 24-20 kind of game, and he nailed it, absolutely drilled it. I really enjoyed listening to Tony and Jim on this game. I mean, they, they were 
They were restrained. I mean, they showed excitement when they needed to, but I thought it was really, really good. Uh, what those two had done in the play was just magnificent. Mahomes threw for 338 on uh, 25 of 40 passing, two touchdowns, but he had those two picks, including that one you just heard from Johnson. Josh Allen had 329 yards through the air, three touchdowns. Devin Singletary ran for 85. Stephon Diggs was a dude. Ten catches, 148 yards in a tutty. Juju Smith-Schuster, five receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. This game was just, I mean, it was incredible. The star might have been, maybe more than any other, was Von Miller. Four tackles, two TFLs, two sacks, two quarterback hits. Von Miller, a stud. Absolute stud in this ballgame. Bills win. 5-1, 5-1, they'll have the tiebreaker over Kansas City once it comes to playoffs. Kansas City falls to 4-2, and two. huge win for the Bills in Arrowhead. Second year in a row that they have won the regular season matchup at Arrowhead, and they will meet at Arrowhead again in 2023. All right, let's get to another game that I know a lot of us were cheering for a particular team. Now, the city of Houston doesn't cheer for the Patriots a whole heck of a lot, right? Unless they're playing the Browns. Now, again, I have to explain why that matters. The Texans have the Browns' first-round picks in the next couple of years. In addition to other picks, it affects draft picks, all that kind of stuff. So we like the Texans and the team playing the Browns. And this week, that was the Patriots. And the Patriots buried them. Why? Well, run game. Ramondre Stevenson. He was a big part of it. 78 yards and two tutties, including this 31-yarder. They're down 10. Stevenson looking for a block. He got it for Myers, and there he goes. Kiss him goodbye. That is a touchdown. 31-yard run. Stevenson and the Patriots have taken the lead late in the first half. But the Patriots' passing game was on level 10 all day because of rookie Bailey Zappi, formerly of HBU, now HCU, Spent four years there, then went to Western Kentucky, set all kinds of records, fourth-round draft pick, was going to sit behind Mac Jones, but then injuries to Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer for Zappi into the lineup. All he's done is won the last two, have a passer rating of over 100 in each game. He threw for 309 yards and two touchdowns, and he found his guy, Janu Smith, who picked up a big chunk of those yards right here. Second down nine. Nice catch downfield. Smith and he breaks a tackle. Johnu Smith on the move. Chased by Emerson inside the 25. The Patriots absolutely housed the Browns. 38-15. New England had one, two, three, four guys with 60 yards receiving or more. Bailey Zappi spreading it out as the Browns struggle again. Jacoby Brissett, less than 50% completion, 266 passing yards, two interceptions. But here's the biggest number. Because they fell behind, Nick Chubb only ran it 12 times for 56 yards. So 4.7 average is pretty good. But when you only run it 12 times because you've fallen behind, that is an absolute killer. Patriots move to 3-3. Three and three. Browns fall to 2-4. and four. Yeah! I mean, I shouldn't cheer for the Browns to lose, but it matters to the Texans. And so for that... I was a Patriots fan yesterday. And so next week, when the Browns take on the Ravens, I will be a Ravens fan. Well, speaking of Ravens, the Ravens went to New Jersey to MetLife to take on the G-Men. Oh, man, this was a fantastic football game. But it was marred by Baltimore's mistakes in the end. A third and one 
up 20-17. to 17, The Ravens converted it. But a false start moved it back five yards, made it third and six late in the fourth quarter. Shotgun snap to Lamar Jackson goes awry, but he picks it up. Oh, man, they're going to bail themselves out, and then this happened. So now the Ravens facing a third and six. They go empty. Oh, he lost the football. Scoops it back up. Jackson throws. Intercepted. Giants have it with Julian Love. Love weaving through. Tackled inside the 15. What a turn of events. Ian Eagle said it exactly right. What a turn of events. Well, it was about to turn even more as the Giants move the ball inside the five-yard line. Got it all the way down to the one, and that's Saquon Barkley time. Baltimore is going to play straight-up defense here on first and goal. Handoff, up top, touchdown, Saquon Barkley. Airborne for the score. Giants go in front. And the Giants would stay on top. As Kayvon Thibodeau, first-round rookie of the Giants, strip sack Lamar Jackson. The Giants got the ball and ran out the clock, 24-20. to Brian Dables got the G-men at 5-1. and Daniel Jones, solid game again. Two tutties, 173 yards passing. Saquon Barkley ran for 83 yards and a touchdown. The Giants just getting it done and preying on mistakes. Lamar Jackson threw that pick to Julian Love. It was the first interception for the Giants all year as they move to 5-1. Ravens fall to 3-3. Three three. Now, if you think the Ravens, oh, man, in the AFC North, they're in trouble. Well, no. The Ravens are 3-3. Three three. The Bengals are 3-3. Three three. The Browns are 2-4. And, and the Steelers are 2-4. That's AFC North. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's so crazy that the Jets are now 4 and two. They were three and two going to Lambeau to take on the Packers. The Packers coming back from London. And that game in London always takes a little bit out of a team. Now, I thought it would for the Giants, but it didn't. Ravens made too many mistakes, kept the Giants in the game. Well, the Jets didn't make those mistakes. They were ahead 10 to three in the third quarter when they forced a punt by the Packers. Packers offense not doing much at all. Well, it's about to go from 10 to 3 to 17 to 3 with a Will Parks return of a blocked punt. Another blocked punt. This time the Jets have it with a chance to run in the end zone and they're going to score. Will Parks runs it in. Oh, the Lambeau Field faithful not happy about special teams mistakes yet again. God, the Packers special teams are awful. That gave the Jets a 17-3 lead. Alan Lazard caught a touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers to cut 17-10, but on the first play of the fourth quarter, Jets ran a little nifty wing T, wing back reverse, old school, to Brees Hall, and he would take it to the house. A trap play inside, and a beauty! Hall running free! Brees Hall inside the 10, he's going to score! Touchdown, Jets! 24 to 10, Greg Zerline field goal made it 27-10, and it was complete and utter domination by the Jets. Why? Well, Quinnen and Quincy Williams. Quincy, the linebacker, had 14 total tackles. Quinnen Williams 
Had five tackles, two sacks, two TFLs, three quarterback hits, and dominated the Packers on the inside. Brees Hall did end up with 116 yards rushing, and he was my RB1. He was RB1, and he is very, very good for the Jets. 5.8 yards on average. Zach Wilson didn't do much, didn't have to, really. Threw for just 110 yards, and the Packers are an utter mess. Rodgers, 246 yards passing, one tutty. Ugly day for the Packers because they didn't run it. They didn't throw it extremely well, and they lose. Packers fall to three and three. Jets move to four and two. The two New Jersey teams are nine and three to start the 2022 season. Good for them. Now, a team that went to London a few weeks ago took on a team that was mired in a two-game losing streak, a team that had been struggling with quarterbacks because they all keep getting hurt. And it happened again in this one as the Vikings took on the Dolphins. The Dolphins started Skyler Thompson, then he got hurt. They went to Teddy Bridgewater. Nothing really worked on this day. The Vikings just, I don't want to say it dominated the game, but they, t- they took everything they wanted, including Dalvin Cook returning home to South Florida to put the exclamation point on a win for the Vikings. Here's Cook. Dalvin Cook picks Uh-oh. up a first down, still going inside the 30. Cook inside the 10, the 5, touchdown. 53 yards in his return home. That made it 24 10. The Dolphins would tack on a touchdown pass to Mike Gesicki. Two point conversion failed, and the Dolphins were unable to get another possession. They lose 24 16. That's three losses in a row. For Miami, Teddy Bridgewater did throw for 329 yards, but he had two interceptions. Kirk Cousins threw two interceptions. Dalvin Cook, with that 53-yard touchdown run, totaled 77 yards. So the Dolphins did a good job keeping him in check. They didn't check Justin Jefferson. Six catches for 107. Tyreek had 12 for 177. The Dolphins lose. Vikings move to 5-1. and one. Out west, the Rams took on the Panthers, and, man, that was a mess for the Panthers. Just trust me. If you haven't seen the Robbie Anderson stuff, oh, yeah, by the way, Robbie Anderson was on the Panthers on Sunday on the sidelines. Now he's a member of the Cardinals. Yeah, that happened. Uh, It was just a bad day. The Rams ended up beating the Panthers by two touchdowns. The big touchdown starting it off for the Rams. Fade route, Stafford, A-Rob, touchdown. Kevin Kluger's got a great call. Check it out. Stafford, Robinson, jump ball, touchdown! I've always been a fan of A-Rob, man. I've always loved that guy. He gets the touchdown on the day. Cooper Cup, seven catches for 80 yards. A-Rob gets the touchdown. Stafford, 253 and a tutty. He did throw a pick six to Dante Jackson, who got the Panthers the lead going into halftime. But... The Rams dominated second half action. Robbie Anderson was acting a fool on the sideline, and it was a bad day for the Panthers all around. But 24-10 win for the Rams. Move the Rams to 3-3, three and three, and the Panthers fall to 1-5. and five. Let's go to the Steel City, baby, where the Steelers were taking on the Buccaneers. The Steelers were 9.5-point underdogs in this one. And at some point, they lost Kenny Pickett in this game, their rookie starting quarterback. But it didn't matter. Because they had Chase Claypool, and he was a super stud on this day. Claypool right now over the middle as Trubisky searches. And is that ball caught? 
Yes, it is. It's Claypool again. A monster game for number 11 continues. Another third down conversion. Yeah, the Steelers, nine and a half point underdogs in this one. Didn't matter. Chase Claypool, seven catches, 96 yards. That one you heard right there was huge. He had a six-yard touchdown that gave the Pittsburgh Steelers a 20-12 lead. The Bucs had a chance after a Leonard Fournette touchdown catch from Tom Brady. Went for two, knocked away. 2018 is the final. Pittsburgh gets the win. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall to 3-3. Three and three. And this is going to be an interesting watch, I'll be honest with you, because Tom Brady was yelling at his offensive lineman, yet he went to Robert Kraft's funeral. He missed a Saturday practice. I don't know if I'd be very happy with that. If I'm a lineman sitting there, I'm going through all this, and you're going to, to a wedding? You should have just retired, bro. Anyhow, Bill Belichick didn't go to the wedding. Just saying. Anyways, point being, Steelers get the win, 3-3. Three three, I'm sorry, 2-4, and four, tied with the Browns for the seller in the AFC North. The Buccaneers, 3-3. Three and three. Uh, and still in great shape, actually, in the AFC, uh, in the NFC South. All right, let's go to the NFC South, down to New Orleans, where the Saints were taking on the Bengals, where Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were returning to the scene of their biggest night, winning the national championship back in 2019. Well, they had an even bigger day as Jamar Chase made his mark Yet again, down 26-24. Just under two minutes left in the game, Jamar Chase did this to give the Bengals a 30-26 win. Burrow throwing this side of the field. Jamar Chase with the catch and up the sideline. And there he goes. Jamar Chase to the end zone for the touchdown. As I said, 30-26, Bengals get the win. Joe Burrow, 300 yards, three touchdowns. Chase, seven for 132 and two touchdowns. Traquan Smith caught a tutty for the Saints as Alvin Kamara ran for 99 yards, but the Saints just can't get it done. Saints fall to two and four as the Bengals move to three and three. Out in Seattle, it was a Kenneth Walker show. Kenneth Walker. Walker with a move through the goal line. Kenneth Walker, and that's a Seahawk touchdown. Then he did it again. Trying to get the benefit of the doubt to the officials. That couldn't have been the goal. Walker with some tough runs. Kenneth Walker to the 10. Slippery as a salmon. <laughs> oh, yeah, Kenneth Walker is no joke, but the Cardinals were. 100 yards rushing for Murray, but no offensive touchdowns. Struggling. Seattle moves to 3-3, three and three, tied atop the NFC West with the Rams and with the Niners, a game ahead of the Cardinals. And who would have thought that with all the hand-wringing this summer? And speaking of Niners, Niners went down to the dirty, dirty and got spanked. Couldn't think of the right word. Spanked is a good word. Poked, hammered, smashed, beaten up, whatever you want to take. 28-14, the Falcons get that win. Marcus Mariota has played very, very good football. 13 of 14 for 129. Ran the ball very well. A three-yard touchdown run. They're doing some good things under Arthur Smith in Atlanta. I mean, it, the, I keep thinking Desmond Ritter's going to play. He can't because Marcus Mariota's been that good for the Falcons. 49ers lose Jimmy Garoppolo almost 300 yards, but he did throw two interceptions, and those were back breakers. Niners lose 28-14 to the Falcons. 
All right, that's going to do it for the Around the NFL segment. When we get back, eh, a little Around the NFL news will hit next right here on Texans All Access. We got two of the fastest minutes you're ever going to hear right here on Texans All Access. We went around the NFL. We talked to our buddy Andre Ware. And, well, we got news happening in the NFL. And we're going to start with a guy that we actually talked about with Lovey Smith today, Nate Hobbs, former Illinois star. Lovey recruited him, coached him, saw him grow up in the NFL with the Raiders. He is being placed on injured reserve for the Raiders. So, won't have the opportunity to see the former Lovey Smith protege playing for the Raiders on Sunday. Sean McVay, head coach of the Rams, said they would like to help Cam Akers, running back, find a new team. Help him look for a fresh new start. Now, apparently out in L.A., Akers and McVay just not completely on the same page about what Cam Akers' value is as a running back. So, Akers thinking, I need more touches, I need to be the guy, and McVay not seeing it quite that way. So, Cam Akers will be looking for a new home. Hmm. New home for a veteran running back. I don't know. Just, Just throwing it out there. Monday Night Football tonight, Chargers v. Broncos, and it appears that Pro Bowl safety Justin Simmons may be active for this game. Now, if you remember against us in week two, Simmons had been hurt in the Monday night game out in Seattle. And so he was placed on IR, but it does appear that he is expected to return against the Chargers. Now, I don't know if we want the Broncos or the Chargers to win, but it'll be interesting to see how the Broncos change a little bit as they have activated not only Justin Simmons, but rookie tight end Greg Dulcich from UCLA and corner Michael Jamudia, uh, all three of them from IR. So we'll see how that impacts the Broncos going forward. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate Dre. Appreciate all of you. Appreciate Mark, of course. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.